This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to a short uh, pre-season No No Never podcast. A little bit of a warm-up for us just to get back into the field doing podcasts. Um, it's been a busy-ish summer for some teams, but for us, I don't think we've made too many signings. But today we're just going to talk a little bit about the ins and outs at the turf um, and also what we think we need to do before the season starts to, to be ready to compete. Uh, first of all, we'll just quickly go over the players who've left. Um, obviously, Michael Keane, the, the, the main one, going to Everton for around £30 million. Um, very sad moment, obviously. The great Kitely Corner, he left. Um, <laughs> he's now at Southend. So I'll be keeping a keeping a keen eye on them this season because I'm sure he'll, uh, he'll do some great things for them. Great player. Magnificent. Um, obviously, Joey Barton was released. Um after his suspension, which has now been reduced to 13 months. Um, he sounds like he's not going to retire at the end of it, so you never know. He might be someone who's back at the turf in 13 months' time. Um, obviously, George Boyd, uh, a big player for the last couple of seasons. Uh, bit of a bit of a Marmite player, maybe, for us. Uh, he's gone to Sheffield Wednesday on a free, uh, having turned down an offer from, uh, from Burnley. Um, and there's not really anyone else. Oh, Paul Robinson obviously retired, uh, unfortunately due to injury. Uh, apparently, Rune Hennings still played for us, uh, and he's gone to Fortuna Dusseldorf. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, the, the most recent one uh, and the only other guy who's left who was sort of on the fringe of the first team being uh, Tendai Dariqua. God, nearly got that wrong then, didn't I? Um, he's gone to Nottingham Forest, and obviously, we saw him again uh, at the weekend. So those are the players who've left this summer. Just going to see what our, our panel today think of uh, of who's gone, who's a big loss, um, who's maybe not a loss at all. Um, so I'm joined by Kevin Robinson and Natalie Bromley. Um, Hello, welcome back, everybody. So we'll we'll go to you first, then, Robinson, <laughs> since you loudly introduce yourself. I'm excited. I know it's we're back, guys. We're back. We've got seagulls in the intro. We've got Birdie having meltdowns about Skype. I'm excited to get talking about Burnley things. Well let's let's 
let you set us off then. Um, <laughs> the people who've left this summer, you know, who do you think is the biggest loss? I think it's really hard to pin, pin down a loss that's bigger than Michael Keane, isn't it? I think, I think he's he's a huge player, and the fact that he went for the value that he went for and the, the money that was paid by Everton, I think it would be very um, naive of us to expect that any other player um, was more of a loss than he is. Um, we talked at length in the season's podcast, sorry, last season's podcast, about the effect it might have when it became apparent that he was going to be leaving and, and whether we would... Um, feel the effects of that I think we all thought at the beginning didn't we that who came in to replace Keane would dictate how much of a loss he was we're now led to believe from reports in the local press there's certainly ones that that Chris Borden's been um, telling us that we're not looking to replace Michael Keane I believe is the current updated position Um, I think Deitch's view is very much that you can't replace Michael Keane with like for like because those players are as expensive as they are Um, so actually what's the point because we're just going to be spending money on somebody who's not as good a quality so they're going to try and make do with what they've got unless somebody comes up who's um, they hadn't possibly thought of and becomes available then they'll they'll look to buy Um, so that for me makes him a bigger loss because um, we are we're losing a really um, quality defender um, in in the back, so I, I, yeah, I'm a bit worried about that one. To be honest, I think our survival and our performances last season were very much built on a rock solid defence, and I am nervous to see how that defence builds next season. Yeah, I think Michael Keane's not. He's, he's well. He's, he's obviously the biggest loss. I think he's probably only the. He's probably the only real loss um, we, we've had, which is going to have a real impact. Joey Barton. Um, probably comes close, but it's it's hard to count him when we we lost him towards the end of last season anyway, and he was he was out of out of out of the door quite a while ago. Um, the other players who have who have gone with those at the level who were just not not really going to make it for us. Uh, obviously, Dereque didn't play at all last season, I don't think, and there were sometimes doubts over his ability in the championship. So I don't think there were many fans. Um, Massively disappointed to see Dorico go. Not that we're happy to see him go. I think he he did reasonably well when he played for us. I don't think anyone will ever have anything bad to say about him. But um, just didn't. Yeah, I, I couldn't see him being a Premier League footballer. Um, same for, for for I'm going to whisper this. Same for Michael Kitely, um, who just was no longer a, a Premier League footballer. George Boyd. Um, I, I, obviously, I, I've been a critic of Boyd. I think he could have done a bit part job uh, next season. I wouldn't have liked to have seen him um, starting starting too many games. But again, he, he'd been a, a very good servant for us, given us some very good moments, um, played a big part in Burnley Football Club, club becoming what Burnley Football Club is today. Um, but it's probably the right time for him to move on. Um, like I, said, I, I don't think he had a massive impact last season. Um, and my worry is that with players like George Boyd in the squad, is that Sean Dyche seems... Whenever things are going a little bit tough, he likes to go back to his comfort zone, I think. And that's where the likes of Arfield and Boyd come into the team. Whereas I'd like to see us this season giving a lot more chances to um, to Brady and Goodmanson. I know Goodmanson had a disrupted injury, um, injury disrupted season last time out. And Brady took a while to get going and it's fitting into Sean Dyche's system. But I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing um, our, our wide positions made up of those two players this season. So... Although you know we've got we've lost a few players who have played big role big parts for us, um, 
the only one I'm really bothered about is Michael Keane. Similar to, to, to Natalie, I think Sean Dyche has talked about his quest to always be improving year on year in terms of the, in terms of the squad. And he's talked about that in terms of his building his squad this summer. So for me, it feels a little bit weird um, that we don't seem to be targeting um, a central defender, purely on the fact that it's it, we are, by definition, a, a weaker in that position. Um, even if... T- um, even if Tarkovsky comes in and plays to the exact same standard that Michael Keane did, um, we'd still be weak in that position because that, that strength in depth has, has dropped down a little bit. Um, I, I, I know the reports are we're not going to bring a, a centre-half in. I'd still be surprised if we don't. I think we've got Kevin Long as, as back up there uh, and not much, not much more behind that as well. And for me, it just starts to... I think we've been quite lucky in the last few years with, with injuries in that... Uh, and suspensions that Michael Keane and, and Ben Mee have both been in the team pretty much universally. There's been very, very little time of it, but I've out, had out of the team. Um, we can't guarantee we're going to be that lucky again. So we need to be looking to have four, really. Uh, you want to have four central defenders who can come into the team and really slot in and be naturals in the Premier League. So that's the only concern for me, as I say, alongside uh, Natalie. But overall, I think... Um, the departures so far have been what you'd expect. Um, you wouldn't be surprised to see Stephen DeFore leave. There have not been many whispers about him um, going at the moment. I'm not, not that I'm aware of Nobody anyway, wants so. to buy him, that's why. No, that's <laughs> it. I think, I think obviously, if reportedly struggling with fitness and really struggling to make an impact at Burnley last season, um, on the whole, uh, particularly in the second half of the season, probably maybe damaged his, his standing in the game a little bit. So, um, it still wouldn't be a surprise to see him go. I probably, I would still be maybe a little bit surprised if he's here at the end of um, end of August. But similarly, if we if we keep hold of him, I don't think I don't think many Burnley fans are going to be too disappointed. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure there won't be. And uh, like you said, not been too many rumours about um, Defoe going. In fact, if anything, I've I've seen rumours that he has decided that he'd, he'd like to stay, which obviously oh, really? would oh, would good. be would be great. Um, so obviously moving on to who we have brought in, um, we're going to start with someone who I think is uh, you know clearly the the biggest of the, the four signings so far. Um, supposedly an eight million fee potentially rising into ten million, which you'd assume is if we stay up. Um, obviously we're quite familiar with him already. Um, that's, that's Jack Cork um, and Bromers. I believe you put together five facts on each of five the signings. Five fun facts except they're not that much fun really to be honest um, I came up with a really good idea that we'd do five fun facts about our new signings and, and actually that's really quite difficult to find unless you know them personally and you've got some good it was like putting together a really hard stag do speech no not stag do speech best man speech trying to dig the dirt on these players but yeah they don't exist however let's move on to our first signing of the summer Jack Cork and five facts for you Jack Cork is a 28 year old midfielder he can also play in defence. Uh-oh, which worries me a little bit because we think Deitch might put him in defence. Fact number three, his, the former Chelsea youth teamer went on five loan moves before his first spell at Burnley, which I did not know, guys. I thought he'd gone straight from Chelsea to us. He went to Bournemouth, Scunthorpe, Southampton, Watford and Coventry. So he'd gone a, a bit around the houses before he came um, to Burnley man. in 2010. He's a journeyman. He was a junior journeyman. Um, fact number four, Jack Cork was named in the 2012 London Olympics squad and he actually played in the 2-0 loss to Brazil. And finally, 
In his season at Burnley in 2010, that was his most goals that he's ever scored in his career, scoring three goals in one season. That was his peak. So there you go, introducing Jack Cork. He's um he's played for England at pretty much every level, hasn't he? I'm looking at his uh, stats oh, now. He's, he's played for England at under 16, under 17, under 18, under 19, under 20, under 21s. He's even played for Great Britain. Um, yeah, so that's... hopefully this season he can play really well for us and have his, his senior breakthrough. Can you imagine if he does the next Defoe and goes in and <laughs> goes in for England? That'd be impressive. That would be uh would be quite something. It's probably uh, a ship that sailed for him, isn't it? Um, some Swansea fans seemed almost pleased to see the back of him, um, which seems strange to me because he he was obviously the captain. Um, I think for most of last season, um, and he's always looked good where I've seen him. Um, what do you think, Kev? About you know, Swansea fans being pleased to, to see him leave. It's difficult to know, really. I think uh, with players like this, it often comes down to how they how they fit into the system. And yeah, it's a bit of a cliche now, but we all look back at Scott Arfield and how he fared at Huddersfield. Obviously, didn't have any impact at all there and was ultimately released, came to Burnley and played a huge role in us getting promotion for Premier League and made a pretty big role in our Premier League season as well. So it's very difficult to say that how one player has done at one club, how they might fare at a different club and different system, particularly the Sean Dyche. He, he likes to play players in different ways and try to get different things out of them. And it's almost that sort of, that's the sort of player he really, Sean Dyche really thrives under. I think he struggled with the likes of um, Defoe last season. Whereas I think that, that player who's coming in with maybe a little bit to prove, maybe done a decent job elsewhere, but not really Sean, Sean as big as he could be. Um, somebody who's got to come in, maybe a little bit, a bit of an underdog, got, got that something to prove and he can really that's what Sean Dyche that's the sort of player Sean Dyche enjoys working with I think so it, it's, it, it's been interesting to see and it's not like I don't think he did terribly at the Swans I think he played played almost all the games last season at least in some in some form so you know he's got to be doing something right uh, in that respect play under play so regularly under a few different managers so yeah obviously we always look back at former Burnley players with, with rose-tinted rose glasses I know that 20 uh 2011 me is very happy right now. Uh, was very very keen to sign him back then. Um, but if he's anything like he was then, he's got that little bit of class to him. Um, and I can imagine him fitting quite well into our team. But it's it's difficult to know. I've not seen. I, I was going to say I've not seen much of him since he left. To be honest, I've not seen any of him um, since he left. So I've no idea how he's developed as a player um, in the last last six seven years. Um, hopefully it's positively. He's got a lot more experience, a lot more Premier League experience, um, and. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm fairly positive about the move. Obviously, you know, the fact that he's it's a strange move. Because I think both sets of fans uh, are relately happy with the deal. I don't think any Swansea fans who are over the moon seem go, but I don't think any of them are really uh, disappointed. I think they they feel they've got quite a good deal out of the out of the transfer. Similarly, Burnley fans are happy with the deal as well. I think we've got uh, a, what we deem to be a good player for a good price. So it's rare that happens. I think, uh, particularly for two players of of similarish standing. No, I'm I'm personally really uh, really pleased with the deal. I think um, it's good to have him back, and and hopefully he'll slot in. And I, I see him really taking up the role that maybe um, Jory Barton was doing for us. Uh, so you know, sitting back a little bit more and playing the ball around. Um, so it's going to be interesting, I think, to see what formation we actually start the season with, because I feel we cork. That's a, another person who'd 
really fit a five-man midfield so it'd be interesting it to see feels like we're heading towards a five-man midfield doesn't it just with the signings that he's made and the fact that um defoe's stayed it genuinely feels like we've got a much more natural 4-5-1 formation that maybe we did last season i think we've been playing i think we've been playing a slightly more fluid system in the friendlies as well haven't we yeah so. So it's quite interesting, actually, James, what you said at the beginning of that about um, some Swansea fans were maybe not that bothered to see him go. From what I've been able to see, um, a lot of the Swansea, I don't think anybody was particularly nasty about him, but the Swansea comments about being glad to see the back of him were very much surrounded about his lack of ability going forward, that it somehow um, morphed into quite a defensive midfielder. Um, I wonder whether or not Daesh has um, maybe brought him in with that in mind to try and help out the defence with the loss of Keane, I don't know. Um, I, I'm not particularly happy about us reverting to a very defensive midfield because we've been crying out for, for creativity for some time, but if he does feel that Cork can play in the centre and, and maybe sit a bit further deeper um, right in front of Tarkovsky and me and just help out there then maybe maybe that's why he's been brought in I don't know I think that makes sense with a five-man midfield as well I think if you've got about four four two, you need those two central midfields to be quite dynamic and be able to do do a bit of everything where if you've got that you've got three men in the middle you can afford then and actually not just afford it actually makes a lot more sense to have one of them um, being a lot more defensive minded um, and they can then sit in front of the of uh, the two centre halves and really protect them well. The other two have got a bit more freedom to go forward. So that if we if we are going to go for that, um, like I say, a bit more of a four four five one, a bit more of a fluid system with packing the central midfield a little bit more, that would that would make sense. I definitely feel like five man midfield could be the way this is going. Um, just to move on to the next signing we're going to talk about, I think this is one that was definitely less um, exciting, at least in my opinion. Um, John Walters from Stoke. Uh, I can't complain too much. He is obviously an established Premier League player. He's got plenty of goals for them. Um, you know, knows what finishing mid-table in the Premier League is all about. Uh, but it's just not really one that gets the, the juices flowing, is it, Bromus? Um, How do I feel about John Walters? Um, I don't know. I don't know whether or not I share everybody's opinion of him being an average signing I think he has got um, I was quite pleased with the signing actually I think he has got um, quite a significant amount of Premier League experience I don't think you can argue that he will bring some consistency and some stability to that side and I, I, I kind of feel sort of looking at Walters and, and looking at some of the signings that he's made alongside him this summer it definitely feels to me that he is that Deitch is bringing in some um, experience that will kind of counteract that second season syndrome um, problem that some newly promoted sides have when they've survived one season. And I think if you look at those players and you look at, you know, bringing them in early in pre-season and getting them with the squad as quickly as possible, um, I, I don't think he brought Walters in to, um, you know, set the Premier League alike. I think he just brought him in just to give us some, some consistency. Um and I think some of the things that we have seen from him in in previous games, um, certainly this time in Stoke, will just add either the, the odd goal here and there that we need, or again, if we can play him on that right side of midfield, he can come in as a substitution for Goodmanson if he needs to come off. And I think he'll I think he'll give some some real work ethic to the side, which is obviously what Sean Dash likes. Um, he does have, as, as Mr. Walters, some fun facts as well as as you know we're not reserving them all for Jack Cork. We have we have got some five fun facts for our new signing John Walters um, the lifelong Everton fan is a 33 year old striker who started life at Blackburn 
However, he failed to break into the first team. He knew, he knew that that wasn't the right side that he was going to be in and he was going to come to Burnley a hero at some point. Um, he, at the time, I don't know if this has now changed, but he once held the record for the most successive Premier League starts at 102. He scored Stoke's only, sorry, he scored Stoke's only ever Premier League hat-trick, which was a perfect one at that. Um, he had a bit of a game to forget in his 100th Premier League game for Stoke, where it, we, we, uh, he played in the loss against Chelsea. He scored two own goals and missed a penalty. And I think I remember that game, actually. I think he got, um, I think all the Chelsea players at the end came and sort of patted him on the back and told him to get his head up. Um, and finally, this may explain why he's very much a Dutch player. He once beat the entire Stoke team up the Alpine Mountains in a pre-season hike. So there you go. That's my view and our facts on John Walters. I think your point of the uh, <clears throat> sorry, I think your point of the experience there, Bromus, is a really important one. Um, Dave Roberts on Twitter pointed out um, a few days ago that you look at our squad now and the the, the players who've made the most Premier League experiences have uh, got Bardsley on 246, Walters 245, uh, and Cork on 170, uh, and then it all goes down to Wars on 140. So our three most our three players with the most Premier League experience have all joined us in the last few weeks. And I think that's that's I think it's it's quite clear that that's the reason they've been brought in. Um, well, certainly a big reason they've been brought in is to add that that Premier League experience, that bit of. Um, I think we've we've not got many players in the in the squad who, like you say, have had experience of being long-term Premier League players and really know what it's knowing what it takes to to be a Premier League club and remain a Premier League club and and take those steps forward. So. That, that for me, I think that's probably one of the big reasons they've uh, they've been brought in. Certainly, Walters was it was a quite a surprising sign. It's not something any, a sort of player anybody would have really targeted um, in advance. And both Barsley and Walters, I wouldn't be expect them to make masses of appearances this season. Uh, but probably certainly Walters will probably play a bit more than Barsley and come in here and there and make some positive contributions. But I think they've been brought in just as much for their off-field contributions as much as their on-field contributions. Well, since you've already mentioned him there, Kev, we'll, I guess we'll go straight into uh, the third of our four signings, Phil Bardsley, uh, the most recent one. Obviously, he's, he's been at the turf before. Again, I'd say this is one that's not really one to get the juices for him, but obviously a lot of Premier League experience, so um, probably more than able backup for, for Matt Walton, which I expect is what the plan is for him to be more backup rather than um, you know a first-team regular. Quite interesting. I think Dash obviously made a, a comment about both Walters and Bardsley together, saying there's a certain manliness about the way they play the game, um, which to me seems a, a bit of a strange comment in the you know in the, the current way the game's played. Because you know, to me, I'm not really sure what manliness means in football anymore. But we'll we'll come on to that after Bromers gives us. Five fun facts. <laughs> I don't have any manly facts, I'm afraid. About when, you, when you were introducing that, then I thought, oh my goodness, I, I really haven't got anything there. Um, yes, let's introduce our third signing, Phil. But it is Phil, isn't it? Phil Bardsley. I've not just got his name wrong. That would be quite embarrassing, wouldn't it, if I'd done five fun facts and I got his name wrong? Um, Mr. Bardsley is a 32 year old defender. He's a former United youth team player. And at the time, he was the only player to progress through all levels of United's academy. He was there from eight years of age. Um, he first came to the Clarets on loan in 2006, which I did not know. 
he has actually been with us before. Um, he actually scored six goals and scored an own goal in a 1-1 draw to Southampton in that league. I, I genuinely do not remember that at all, do you? I think he's quite a forgettable character. <laughs> yeah, but I, I genuinely wouldn't have thought he was with us. Interestingly, one of the facts about Barzi, and I do wonder whether this is, uh, is whether Deitch wants to uh, bring in the new trips here, maybe, but he describes himself as being, quote, the modern defender, and he wants to get forward, create chances and score goals, and he considers that to be a fundamentally important part of the modern defender's game. So there you go. He wants to be Kieran Trippier, I think. Um, and finally... He once, for a defender, scored three goals in one full season, also in 2010, which is quite bizarre because Jack Cork scored his record um, number of goals in that season as well. So um, there you go. That, that's introducing Mr. Barzi. I, I think I agree with you, James. I think he was another one that didn't necessarily um, set the transfer um, gossip alight. I think he was. I think I was more impressed with Walters than I was with Bardsley. But um, I, I'm a big fan of Matt Lawton. I think he was a really good. Oh, did we, what did we say last season, guys? Did you just say you're? A, did you just say you're a big fan of Matt Lawton? Yes. You know I, I am. I picked him as my player of the year last year. I'd say you're warm to him. Can you call yourself a big fan if you were sceptical at first? I was sceptical for like four games at the beginning, okay. and that so. Ooh, birdie. Don't you be doubting my love for my... Anyway, did we decide whether it was Lawton Loudon? It's, it is Lawton. It is Lawton. Thank you. I say this every podcast. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Lawton's now and I don't expect that Barsley will um, push him out. But if he does get any suspensions or he had a few yellow cards, didn't he, last year, um, unexpectedly to Lawton. So we, we've got some good cover there. So yes, that's my view. Kevin, I'll come on to you then. Um, with regards to Dash's comments about you know, the, the two players having a manliness about them. Um, do you have any idea what he means by that? No. Um, <laughs> no. Um, it's, it's one of those comments that made me feel a little bit, un- a little bit uncomfortable. Um, it's, it's, it's not a term I, I, I particularly would use in my, in my day to day life. I don't want to go on to another, um, one of my crusades, um, and get lots of people angry tweeting me, so I won't say too God, much about Kevin, that. Kevin, profile, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's probably a slightly old-fashioned term um, to, to put it um, in a, in a lighter term than I might have done otherwise. Um, I, I, I'm guessing what Dash means by that is probably a, a bit more of an old-fashioned football, maybe not frightened to give someone a kick here and there, quite rough and ready. Um, maybe not gonna be big and flashy not certainly not gonna be the next Cristiano Ronaldo um but he's going to be kind of getting getting the players faces and and add that bit of um I don't know bite to our team um I, I'm guessing that's what Dice means by that Sorry, yeah I'd say that's probably the, the safe safe guess <laughs> yeah. is what he means sort of plays with maybe um a bit a bit of an edge bit bit rugged bit rough um but yeah again it's one of one of those Signings to me, at least, you know, see a lot of Premier League experience, which is definitely a positive. Um, you know, good person to have around the dressing room. But I really did expect more this uh, this summer of us signing players that could push for first team uh, slots. And I think coming on to our fourth signing, that maybe he's the one that that that's what we're looking for. With um, obviously a young player, really popular with uh, Leeds fans until he uh, refused to play. Um, Charlie Taylor, obviously, recently has had his tribunal, well, had a fee agreed without having to use the tribunal. Um, 
he looks a reasonably exciting prospect. Obviously, he's mainly played left back for Leeds, but we did see a glimpse of him um, in a friendly at centre half, which to me could be a little bit worrying because I, you know, I always prefer to play players in the positions of playing a lot. And though he may have played there in the past, clearly left back is his primary position. But obviously, Stephen Ward's going to be quite a, quite a fight for him. Um, Brommers, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume gonna go out on a limb and say you've probably got five facts about Charlie Taylor before we, we get in depth do. about him. Yes, we do have some facts on young Charlie Taylor. Um, let's introduce him. Let's see what we have on this one. Charlie Taylor is a 23 year old left back who played most of his junior career at Leeds United. He shares a birthday with the footballing legends that are Ronaldo and Sol Campbell. Now, Burnley move signals his first ever permanent move away from Leeds United. He's only ever gone out on loan before. So this is the first time he's left home, so to speak. Um, he shares some common ground with James Tarkovsky, as Birdie alluded to in his introduction. He also refused to travel to Wigan and play his last game um, for Leeds United, um, uh, pending his imminent move to the Premier League. He didn't want to get injured and, and potentially scupper that big move, which obviously we remember from uh, Tarkovsky's days when he refused to play for Brentford pending a move up to us. So um, obviously they're going to have something in common there. And finally, Charlie Taylor played in the playoff teams that got got our local rivals Fleetwood promoted. So there you go. Some um, slightly, I don't know, less adventurous facts about young Charlie Taylor, but there you go. Introduction. So obviously a bit of a younger signing here, and this is more in the maybe the mould we've seen Dash tend to go for before. You know, players who are semi-established, uh, you know, not complete punts in the dark, but also not, um, you know, too long in the tooth. Obviously his natural position's been left back. Stephen Ward had a, a really good season last season. You know, despite the fact that maybe at the beginning of the season you thought bringing John Flanagan in on loan, he might have been looking at losing his spot. Um, he's done really well. Obviously, he's now heavily involved in the uh, Ireland team. Doesn't like losing his place there soon either. It could be quite difficult for Charlie Taylor to, to get in the side. So, Kevin, where do you think we're going to sort of get our first opportunities to see him? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's um, it's going to be interesting to see how how this one turns out. I think he's he's probably going to come in in a similar position to what James Tarkovsky did, uh, and obviously Tarkovsky was a a key player at his club. But he's made a step up to Burnley, and it took him quite a while to really um, get into the side. He's, he's made a few appearances here and there, but never really had that running the team. And now it looks like this season is the the time when that happens. And you you, you probably suspect he's going to be the same for Taylor here, and but. Similar, similar position in that he was a, a key player at his former club he's made a step up to Burnley um, and might have to wait, wait his turn I think him and Bardsley have both come in as the direct replacements for um, John Flanagan who could obviously play on either side um, I think both of them are probably um, well I, I think from what we saw Flanagan last season I'd be very surprised if um, we're not upgrading uh, on him in, in both of these players, so it's certainly a very positive player. Stephen Ward, he's uh, actually a little bit, lo- little bit longer, younger than I thought. He's, he's 31, which is obviously um, not a spring chicken, but I thought he was more kind of uh, a little bit older than that. So he's still got quite a good uh, few years ahead of him at his peak. You'd expect Stephen Ward, so um, he certainly won't be giving up his tea, his place in the side um, very easily or quickly. So. I think it will, it will be down to that. I, I, I do expect Stephen Ward to start the season. Um, Sean Dyche is, 
he likes the players he's got confidence in. I think he, he likes his new players to really earn their place in the team. Um, so I'd expect Sean, uh, Stephen Ward to, to start the season in the team. Taylor will, will will get a run out in the cup. I, I'd hope we get a few. We'd get a nice, decent run in the league cup for the likes of Taylor and some of us. I think a few of the players we've signed this summer are probably not going to go straight into the team. So having a, a cup run would be quite good for us actually to be able to give them, give them that bit of game time and help them settle into the into the team in a competitive nature, ready for when they are required to be called upon. Um, so. It's, I think he will have to wait his turn. Hopefully, it's, it's a weird one. When we sign a player like this, you, you've got to hope that we, we don't see a lot of them um, because that would mean that Stephen Ward's been playing fantastically well and not getting injured or suspended. So hopefully we don't see him for a long a long while. But uh, when we do, I, I, I think it's, this is the, uh, the sort of signing that is... You, the sort of signing you, I, I think you like to see. He's one of those players who's on the way up and could potentially be a very exciting player for the next... Um, kind of 10 years years or so for us, hopefully, if it works out well. I think that really is the, the key point, that as much as maybe we want to see um, you know, a young player, that's if he can step up to the Premier League. Uh, the longer we don't see him, the better, because it means Stephen Ward, he was kept at the level of play he was given us last season, um, stayed injury-free and obviously not managed, managed to not get himself suspended. Um, promise, just quickly, before we, uh, we wrap up on who's already mm-hmm. come in, sure. um, what do you think of Charlie Taylor. Yeah, I, I'm very similar to what you two have just said. I, I don't really have an awful lot to add. Um, it, it's exciting to be able to be in a financial position and a league position to attract these up-and-coming stars. Like we've just obviously brought Michael Keane in, who had grand designs to... Uh, actually, that's not really mean. I don't mean that. He had ambitions, sorry, to move up the ranks at United and was convinced to come away and, and has got himself um, an England slot and a big money move because of his time at Burnley. And we've replaced him uh, with another up-and-coming star that everybody's got an awful lot of time for. And, and you know, Leeds fans don't suffer fools easily. They are very vocal in players that they, and they don't have an awful lot of time, sorry, for players who aren't hard workers and who aren't who haven't got the talent and the fact that they give so much um uh, of their uh, love and affection i guess <laughs> for charlie taylor as, as fans and i don't you know you've got to read an awful lot into that so yeah i'm pleased i think he, i think he's good i think like, i share you to your views that he is not likely to displace ward i think we'll probably see him in the cups um but otherwise very very happy I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment. Um, so we've we've talked about the people we brought in, uh, but maybe the bigger discussion point is the the people we haven't brought in yet. Uh, personally, I really feel like we do need to replace Michael Keane. Um, maybe not directly, and maybe re- replace is the the wrong the wrong word because obviously you're not going to get another Michael Keane uh, we were pretty lucky first time around to, to manage to pick him up for the price we did at the stage in his career we did and you know really watch him grow into the player he's become now where he has been you know bought for big money by one of the you know top 10 sides but I really feel like we're lacking a, a centre half body in the, the squad um, all it takes is an injury to Ben Mee and we back with Tarkovsky and Long which you know, didn't look awful when we saw it last season, but at Bournemouth in particular, I thought it looked a little bit, a little bit like it was a, a partnership that hadn't really been tried at the the top level. Um, so for me, I'd like to see maybe someone along the lines of what we've done with Phil Barsley and John Walters, just bring in a a steady, if you know, unspectacular centre back, 
just to, to make up the numbers and be around the squad, bring the experience and, you know, be someone for when an inevitable injury or suspension occurs. Um, and for me, the other position is on the on the wing where we need to bring someone in. Um, obviously, we brought Robbie Brady in last season. I feel there is a lot more to see from him and hopefully we'll get to see that this season. Uh, but Johan Berg-Goodmanson is maybe my other first choice, but with his injury situation last year, you do wonder how many games he's going to be able to string together. Um, and you know, if we play in five man, five men in the midfield, we really want people who can stretch uh, the, the width and you know provide great service to either Vaux, Walters, or Gray or Barnes, depending on who's playing up front. Um, Kev, what do you think we're missing that really we, we should be getting in before the season starts? Yeah, my target, my target, what I wanted us to bring in uh, this summer was. Um, a good centre-half, again, not necessarily the new Michael Keane, but uh, another Premier League quality defender to add to the mix. Um, probably probably realistically in the mould of um, of the Charlie Taylor and somebody who is step up to can step up to Burnley and maybe not going to be able to going to demand that he's in the team every week uh, but a young player who can then grow into the team maybe in a similar way to, to Tarkovsky had uh, I wanted another winger um, obviously one, we want down now after George Boyd has left and as much as I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing Brady and Goodmanson um, on the wings for, for much of the season Goodmanson had his, his injury problems last season and also I don't want us to particularly for a, a key part of the team um, for, as the, the wingers are I don't want us to rely too much on those two players. I think that's probably the one part of the team where actually you benefit most from being able to switch up um, switch up players. So it'd be nice to have uh, probably a different type of player be able to come in um, who isn't called Scott Arfield um, <laughs> to play that position. Um, once a central, another central midfielder, I think Jack Cork's come in um, and I'm probably relatively happy with that signing. So that's, uh, that's a, a good move. Um, and I wanted a, a striker to come in and really improve our, our strike force. I think Gray, Barnes and Vaux all did reasonably well last season. Um, but I think Gray, Gray is one who, if, he's, if we play the team in the right way around Andre Gray, I think he can get a lot better for us. I think Vaux and Barnes are, are not going to get any better. They're probably, if anything, they're, they're only going to get worse if that, if that sounds that sounds harsh saying worse but you know what I mean if they're, they're, they're more likely to go down than they are to go up I think they're both playing at the very top of their game um, last season so and that's probably one area where we really struggled is, is putting away those chances and really scoring goals so I, I want us to bring in a, a really top striker to really really improve our our strike force that has to, obviously Walter's come in and I don't think there's been I'd be surprised if if we bring in another striker now. Um, we've got four four first team strikers with Gray, Gray Walters, Vaux, and Barnes. Um, if, if we brought in another striker, in, when one of those would have to leave, I think. Um, obviously, there's been some word about Gray leaving. But I'd, I'd I'd be very surprised if that did happen, and I really don't want it to happen. So, I don't think we're a million miles away from where I wanted to be. Obviously, we'll we'll bring in a, another third choice keeper uh, to replace Paul Robinson. But yeah, I, I I would have liked to have seen a, another central central defender. I don't think that'll happen. Um, and just a, a, another winger for me would be um, be a positive. But I, I think I'm relatively happy with where we are. Actually, I don't think we've had a groundbreaking summer with lots of massive signings coming in. Certainly not to the extent that we had last year. But I, I think we we've made some very smart additions. I think I'm relatively happy with where the team is. We can 
add a, a little bit depth, bit of depth in a few more places and, and and that. But if we were to go into the season with the squad as we are today, I'd be I'd be quite happy. Promise. What do you think we we need to bring in? Um, again, uh, I don't think there's anything else that I can add to to what you and Kevin have said. I agree with your analysis of the of the Michael Keane situation. I don't think I could have put it better myself at all. I think you're absolutely spot on with with the um, missing. Sorry, with how we will miss Keane and obviously the the lack of cover in that position if one of them gets injured and again also lack of a quality backup in that we don't have a Tarkovsky to bring in we've got a Kevin Long who isn't Tarkovsky so yeah completely agree with that and I agree with Kevin that we need another midfielder uh, we need some creativity in that side and to be fair if we you know pick up on local reports that's what we're being told is the number one um, target at the moment is is a winger and, and somebody who can um, create some chances but uh, yeah I, I agree with you all I think it's, it's really difficult um, and it's I guess it's easy for us to sit here and say, you know, that the signings that we've made are a little bit, you know, not necessarily that exciting and they're a bit average. But we aren't, if we are an average, if we become an average Premier League side, we become a mid-table side. And surely that's better than what we are at the moment because we finished 16th last season and we actually had a really poor run towards the end of the season. So you look at the league table and think that we're in the poor end of the Premier League. So actually, what's wrong with signing average Premier League players? Because that will improve on the position that we are. If we turn into an average Premier League side, we'll finish 13th, 14th, which is better than what we did last year. So I think people need to just be a little bit careful with complaining about average signings because every single season, we are getting more confident in the transfer market. We're getting financially more sound. And the longer we stay in the Premier League, the more attractive we'll be for players to come to us. We've only had one season where we've survived and everybody expects us to go down again next season. So we aren't going to be attracting the players who are going to your South Thamptons and your Everton's and, and West Ham's and players like that because they're going to those teams because they know that they're not going to get relegated and instead they're pushing for the European slots players at the moment say well what if last season for us was just a one-off and we are going to go down next year so people just need to be a bit more realistic with what our ambitions are at the moment the time for us to to play the um, sorry the time for us to sign the impressive flair players that cost the multi-millions will come but just be patient and that's some some fair points. Um, just to quickly touch on uh, the, the Andrea Gray thing, obviously there's been rumours about him going, but I think it's safe to say he probably probably won't if the the best offer coming in is Wolves. Um, but he'd be a big loss, and obviously that would have a a big impact on the next question I'm going to ask both of you. Um, if the season started tomorrow, would you be happy with the squad we've got now? We'll we'll go to you, Bromers first. Um, yeah, I think we, we we covered that, didn't we? In the last point, I think both Kevin and I said the same thing that we would be very happy. Um, slightly disappointed um, in that we, I feel like we could have. I think I, I guess I'd be slightly disappointed in that we. I think we should have brought more striking options in, and we should have brought more creativity. But it wouldn't be the end of the world. And, and you, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, I'd be, I'd be happy. I think we've got. I think we we start the season today, and we've got a, a good a good starting eleven. We've got some decent back up um, to give some some depth and strength and depth behind that behind that 11 um, and I'd be very excited going into the season yeah I think I'd, I'd echo those maybe I'd probably be tempted to use the word indifferent rather than happy or unhappy um, I think we've done some good things maybe I expect us to, to do a little bit more um, but 
as far as an opening day of the season side goes, I think we are we have got a decent team. It's it's maybe more going to be a concern as the season goes on, injuries etc. Uh, take hold, but we will see. Um, obviously, we'll get to preview the season properly um, next week. Um, in the lead up to the beginning of the season, obviously it's going to be I think an exciting season, in my opinion. Um, it's a very very tough start. Uh, but obviously plenty of time to talk about that next time round. Um, so thanks for joining me, Kevin and Natalie. Um, and thanks everyone for listening. Um, hope you've enjoyed this little warm up for the season. Um, obviously we, we're looking to make changes from last season as this season goes on. So um, the start of that is next week. Uh, we'll be looking for your feedback. Obviously you can contact us as normal or podcast at none and ever net um i've been james bird this has been our little pre-season known and ever podcast just looking at the transfers um, and we'll be back again with you next week goodbye god birdie you're a pro you know you're an absolute pro it's 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 such a it's such a privilege to to work with you every week I'm sorry, I'm being facetious. Uh, let's let's introduce Charlie Taylor. Charlie Taylor, as I'm going to do that again, so just drop Master Fall on the floor. <laughs> sorry, one second. Oh my god. Oh, okay, right. How much stuff there. did you throw on the floor? I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to start that bit again. <clears throat> the Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.